Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Judges chapter 2 and reading for our text verse 22. Judges chapter 2 verse 22 That through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Judges 2 and verse 22. We have the solemn account here in this chapter of the children of Israel going into the promised land and refusing to obey the Lord and to completely destroy the inhabitants and push them out. Instead, they dwelt among them. They were then an influence for evil. They followed the gods of the inhabitants of the land. They learned their ways. And the Lord said then that he would not drive them out from before them. But how the Lord dealt with them for their disobedience, nevertheless, the Lord did turn it about for good. He was wroth with them. The leaving of them was to be as thorns in their side. It was to be a trial to them. But it was also turned for good. And we find this many times in the scripture, but really the greatest example of it is in the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. When the Jews did not receive that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ, when they crucified him, they slew him, they took him by wicked hands, and his death was charged upon them. They had said uh, that his blood be on us and on our children indeed, that has been so right from through the generations. And they were charged with that what they had done. But many were given repentance. Many were given godly sorrow. They were brought to confess their sin. They were saved. The prayer of our Lord on the cross, Father forgive them, they know not what they do, was fulfilled in many of their cases. And we have the great instance then that a wicked thing that men have done yet was turned about, you might say, to the greatest benefit and greatest blessing for the people of God of all time. The one sacrifice for sin was brought about by or through the means of the wickedness of men delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, crucified and slain. And so we find here, Israel's disobedience, the end result was that instead of having the whole land for themselves with no adversary within it, no Canaanite in that land, they did have the Canaanite. They had them mixed within it. They couldn't enjoy their inheritance without constant conflict. And part of that was the Lord's judgment upon them. 
for the Lord was to turn it about for good and in the way that our text describes that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. And so what we have before us this evening is not just the proving of Israel, but the proving of God's people and what the Lord uses to do that. What is it to prove something? To prove that it is the real thing. In this case, to prove that it really is the work of God that is in them and that God is their God. The faith that they have is the faith of his giving and to prove that they truly are obedient children and walking in his ways. You might say here to prove whether they will obey or not, whether they will perform in the expected way. You can think of illustrations with us if we are to prove something. The idea is to prove it before a crucial time. When I was younger, we, as a child, used to make bread, make it by hand. And we'd get the dough and we'd mix in the yeast and we would knead it and we'd put what would make, say, four loaves of bread into a steel bowl, big bowl, and a round lump of the dough in the centre and we'd put it in front of the fire and we'd just leave it. And the dough would just expand with that gentle heat and it would end up filling that bowl. And then we would take it and we'd pummel it down to a small little amount again, divide it into four amounts and put it in its tins and let it rise in its tin and then bake it. But what the first part was doing was to proving it. If we just mixed it up and put it into four separate uh, loaves, put it in the oven and the yeast didn't work all we'd get was basically unleavened bread just some lumps of hard dough in the middle of the tin if we had proved it and it didn't rise then we still had the opportunity to add in yeast and to make sure that yeast was working and right so that was what we call the proving of the bread, that the yeast was going to work, it was going to rise, we would have a nice loaf before it was too late and baked and solid in the oven. We think also those times, I had one recently, bought a new pair of shoes and I thought, well, I, I, they should be all right, I'll walk down the town in them. Well, I was very, very glad I didn't put them on and aim to spend a whole day in them because I only walked well probably a quarter of a mile and I realised I was getting blisters and it was really chafing my heels they weren't good at all and a need that they 
be proved or actually prove were they comfortable, were they able to be used for a long distance or not. We think of in the case of David with going against Goliath and King Saul, he wanted to give David his own armour. But David, he put them on and then he said, I cannot go with these. And what was the reason that he gave? I have not proved them. He had not tested them. He had not tried them out. He knew how to fight with a sling and a stone with no armour. But he hadn't fought with the armour, with the weight, with the hindrance and all that that entailed. And so he put them off him. We are used to proving things before the event. Too late when he was before Goliath and fighting him to then say, hold on Goliath, this armour's no good, I better put this off me. It's too late then. Too late when we start off on a ten mile walk to no quarter of a mile in that the shoes are no good. And so there is a need of proving something. But in this case, what is to be proved? Who is to be proved? Now, the text says that through them I may prove Israel. Prove Israel, God's people. And we could extend that to all of God's chosen people from the foundation of the world, chosen in Christ, those that he's loved with an everlasting love, those that... He has quickened into divine life. He proves, he tries the grace that is in their heart. The grace, though the smallest, shall surely be tried. And you may say that uh, it is also just a general. He proves or tests all who make profession. Remember the uh, parable of the sower and especially the the two middle ones, the one that fell upon the stony ground and it immediately sprang up. It's like a a person receives the word, immediately believes it with joy, but then there comes persecution because of the word and by and by they are offended and they go back and they walk no more. the, The Lord uses that persecution to find out whether it really was falling in prepared and good ground. And the same with that which fell among the thorns. There was all of the uh, world around about that person and it became too much of an attraction. It it completely uh, covered, overgrew the work of grace that was within And this is what the Lord spoke of as being a key parable. And it was those things that came against the sapling or the seed that was growing up that proved, was it on good ground? Was it a good ground here? Or was it one in prepared ground? Was it bringing forth fruit? This is what God is proving here with the children of Israel. So it's God's children, but in one sense it is all who make profession because it's weeding out those that are God's children and those that just appear that they are 
God's children. And you might say, why then? What is the purpose of proving God's children? I want to make that our first main point this evening. Why the need for proving God's people? And then secondly, the means of proving that are set before us in our text. And then thirdly, the outcome that is looked for. But firstly, why the need for proving God's people? When I say God knows his own people, he doesn't have to try and find out which one is and which isn't. He knows where the work of grace is and where it is not. Surely it is not for the benefit of God that he does this. But surely it is for our benefit, for the benefit of his people that he proves them and that he tests them. After all, what is at stake? Is it not our eternal home? Is it not the forgiveness of our sins, our deliverance from death and the power of death, deliverance from hell and deliverance to heaven? Is it not ourselves that have that much to lose if really we find at the last that the grace we thought we had wasn't, the faith was not the true faith, really we should be thankful that the Lord has ordained a way and made a way before death, before the judgment day, that our faith be proved. So the first reason why is to test our faith that it really is God-given, is maintained from heaven. Bunyan, in his Pilgrim's Progress, he pictures the interpreter's house and Pilgrim was brought into that house and he saw a fire in the grate. The fire was burning well, but someone took a bucket of water and was throwing water upon the fire and it still kept on burning. And Christian, he couldn't understand this. So the the interpreter brought him to the other side of the wall and there was someone pouring oil on or a secret supply of fuel that countered the extinguishing effect of the water. And that is a similar thing what is here And all of that which is outside trying to extinguish the flame or uh, come against the people of God, if it were man's work, if it were just our own work, it would extinguish it. It would put it out. It's like William Gadsby when he was called to the attention of a drunk that was lying in the gutter, Mr. Gadsby, there is the effect of your work. And he looked and he said, yes, that does look like my work. If it was God's work, he would not be lying in the gutter. And it is only God's work which will prevail. He will have regard to the work of his own hands. And so one need of proving is to prove that this really is God's work. It really is gold. It really is silver. You know, if a child came to us with a beautiful gold ring and we looked at it 
He said, oh, isn't that a lovely ring? And then we picked it up and you say, but that's not heavy enough to be gold. And in a sense you proved it by just feeling its weight. I think that's just plastic. Well, here's, here's a candle. We, we'll, we'll put it in front of this candle, see what happens. And the plastic catches fire, it burns up. You say, well, that certainly was not gold. If it was gold, it would stand that fire. And so it is a test, test by God for his people not to destroy their faith, not to prove them not God's people, but to prove to them that the faith that they have is from God. And this is one reason why the trial of your faith be much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, shall be found unto praise and honour and glory at the last day. A second reason of this proving is for our assurance. Many of the Lord's dear people, they haven't much assurance. They cannot clearly say that the Lord is their God, that he has begun a good work with them, or that they are going to heaven. And the Lord does this proving to prove to them that their religion is not a natural religion, that it has come from heaven, that it is through this trial and through this proving time is proving to them that if they had not been kept, if it had not been the Lord who was the beginning of their faith, they would have cast away all. And sometimes in that assurance it has a sad contrast to it because they might view someone else who's been through the same trial and they haven't stood. They have cast away everything. They've gone away. And who maketh thee to differ? And the Lord in that way gives his children that assurance it truly is God's saving work in their hearts. A third way is for our teaching. Many times the Lord taught Israel through the uh, nations that were round about them and the proving of God's people is again for teaching them and instructing them, teaching them how weak they are in themselves, teaching them that they still have a heart just like others and it is only by grace that they differ. And there's many, many lessons that the Lord teaches his people in this proving process, these proving times. But a fourth reason is for our refining and sanctification. The indwelling sin, the evil of our own hearts. We read in Ephesians that it is through the washing of water by the word that he cleanses his dear people but very often it is in the fires that we find out what we need cleansing from. Find out that there is something there that is impure or wrong. We might deceive ourselves and think, I'm a very placid and meek and mild person. The pride and the uh, heart rises up in anger 
those things that weren't discerned before, the anger, the pride, they all come to the fore. And I've used the illustration before, but when I was in engineering and repairing the trolleys in the kitchen of the hospital where I did my apprenticeship, we get these broken stainless steel trolleys in to be welded up and first we put the heat on them and to weld them with the oxyacetylene torches and the heat would bring out from what seemed to be a perfectly clean piece of silvery uh, stainless steel this black goo all of the all of the oils from the kitchen had gone right into that metal that seemed so hard, was so hard, and yet it was porous, and the heat brought it all out. We had to get rid of all of that first before we could weld it up and and repair it. And in the same way, uh, the things that are so wrong in our heart, our corruptions, uh, the evils, our, our... Uh, evil thoughts, our affections, our ways, our desires, all of these things. And the Lord knows how to set us apart, cleanse us, wash us, make us sanctified and meet for the Master's use. And this proving time is used for that purpose as well. But lastly, it is used for the proving of the Lord's faithfulness to us. Now the Lord said to Peter, Satan hath desired to have thee and sift thee as wheat, but I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Peter didn't feel he needed the Lord's prayers, though all men forsake thee, yet will not I. But he did, he denied him three times. The Lord did not forsake him. He proved the Lord's faithfulness, though he fell, and Israel proved this again and again in the history of their land, that though he chastened them, though he corrected them, yet he didn't forsake them. He remained faithful, and they remained his people. This proving, though it brings out many things that we might say, how can ever God dwell here, proves that though we see what the Lord always saw, yet the Lord will not forsake us. You know, we might think, well, we're not too bad as sinners. The Lord is he's good to us and he stays with us because we're so good. But when we know, like Israel did, how prone we are to backsliding and to evil, to learning the ways of the heathen, then it takes away that pride. And we are very mindful then. It is of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. And that really he is very long-suffering and merciful to us. We can easily deceive ourselves that really we're not too bad. But the Lord knows how to show us exactly what we are in his sign. So it is then to prove the Lord's faithfulness to us. So there is a reason, a reason for proving. Now text says that through them I may prove Israel whether they will walk, will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. 
We want to look secondly at the means of proving, and specifically in the text. We read that in the verse prior to our text, that I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel. So those are the nations that are left, those nations that are round about Israel, the heathen that dwelt near them, those that weren't God's people, those that were serving other gods, those that were walking by a different rule, those who didn't believe, those who mocked the true and living God, those are those that were used to prove Israel. And so with us, in our experience, the sin remaining in us, God uses that. We are commanded to depart from evil and sin not and to not walk in the ways of our evil heart. But often we, like Joshua, we disobey. We are not careful to root out those things that are within. We walk after the Spirit and we reap what we've sown. But then the workings of our hearts become a trial to us, a trouble to us. Those evils that are within are what is used to prove us. We might think, well, I'd much rather be sinless. I'd much rather be without those workings of sin and evil within this opposition to grace, opposition to holiness, opposition to all that is good and to the word of God, I, I would rather not have that. And the Lord says, no, you wouldn't fully root it out, you wouldn't fully uh, resist it and throw it from you, and so they shall be used to prove you. Your own fallen nature, your own corrupt heart, that shall be used to prove you to test to test the grace of God to test to prove and not only that within but it is those without we're not to go and live in a monastery or on an island or in a community where there is not the world the Lord's prayed in John 17 I pray not that thou shouldst Take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. In the world, but not of it, the same as our Lord was. And the Lord has ordained this. He's used it and will use it to prove his people. Those that are round about us, that are teaching wrong things, contrary things, all the different religions, all of the different so-called faiths, all of the mockers, the scorners, the lovers of pleasure, 
All of those round about us with whom we dwell are just like these nations round about Israel. And the Lord is using these things to prove his people. On one hand, they have the word of God, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. On the other hand, we have the way of uh, the world which says no no that's old and out fashioned and you, you, you don't interpret it like that you've got to interpret it according to the customs of the land and uh, all sorts of things like this and you see many most solemn uh, examples of that in the professed churches in our land of completely going against the word of God and taking up with traditions of men and teaching of men. And it was the same when our Lord was on earth. He said to the religious leaders of his day, the scribes and the Pharisees, he says that you do laid on men's shoulders burdens that are grievous to be borne, teaching for commandments, the command, uh, the traditions of men and undermining, making the word of God of none effect by your traditions. And these things are all surrounding the people of God, coming at them from a professed church, coming at them from false brethren, coming at them from the world. And through all of these things they go. And the Lord says that he uses these things. This is a means I really hope my prayer has been that the word before us this evening, the subject this evening, will cause that we look at what is going on around us with different eyes as to what the Lord is using it for and those things that come upon us and our own reactions from our own heart and the sins that are brought to the surface by those things we go through that we look at it in a different way and look at it in the light of this chapter and hear the Lord saying to us, by these things I will prove to you, I will make proof of whether ye are my people or no. I will use them as a proving tool. I will use them for good. Under my hand they will work for good. We think of that beautiful word in Romans chapter 8. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. I know know we like to have a smooth path. We like to uh, not have that opposition or feel to be the only one left like dear Elijah felt or Jeremiah walking in this path but many of the Lord's dear people they they walk in this way and the Lord here uses it that through them I may prove Israel through them through them may we look upon those thems You know, it's not just one nation, was it, round Israel? Many different ones. They are different gods. 
different influences on Israel. We have the same too. It's not all the same adversaries. But through them, God is in control. God is using it. Moab might call for Balaam to go and curse Israel, but the Lord turns the curse into a blessing. The Jews crucify our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, but God uses it to fulfil the scriptures and to offer the sacrifice and put away his people's sin. You think of the things that God has used, not just to prove, but as a chariot to bring his dear people home, the stoning of Stephen, the fires of the martyrs, the sword of Herod upon John Baptist. And the Lord used those things for his purpose and to bring his dear people home to glory. The wickedness of Joseph's brothers to bring Joseph to Egypt and then to be next unto Pharaoh. And here the Lord uses those nations, those round about and yes, our old nature as well within to prove us. I want to look then thirdly at the outcome that is looked for. Our text says that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. The outcome is a walk, not talk, not thought, but a walk. Our Lord says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We might speak a lot against sin, but still walk in that sin. We might hold to many very good uh, tenets and, and articles of faith, but unless we walk according to them, this word is not realised. When the Lord puts forth his sheep, he goeth before them, they are to follow after him. A disciple is a follower of the Lord, one that walks after the Lord. And so here it is, is put in this way, whether they will walk therein, in the ways of the Laws of the Lord, as their fathers did keep it. Keep the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord. That is what is aimed at. That is what is tested. That is where the Lord is looking at when he is proving his people. He might say, well, does not that mean then that I fail just about at every stage, at every time when the Lord proves in that way? But it doesn't, because though we may come into a trial, and though we may have the influence of many round about us, and inwardly and sometimes outwardly fall, 
Yet when it is a recovering of that, when we still hold on our faith, when though we are brought in as guilty, we end up going in 1 John 1, 9, confessing those sins, and the Lord then cleanses us from all unrighteousness, then we prove that that faith that he has given is true. May I remind you and remind me that dear Peter, he denied his Lord three times. You might say Peter was proved and he failed. Yes, he did fail, miserably failed. But what was being proved? I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And afterwards there is Peter, he still loved his Lord. He wept, he was sorry, he mourned over that fall. But we never ever forgot it. And so the aim of the proving, that was realised. And each of these things, where we go through and out the other side of it, where the Lord has made it work together for good and it strengthens our assurance, our hope in the Lord that he it was that begun a good work in us and that the devil cannot extinguish that flame. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Or we might go through something and we find one lesson, one teaching in it, come out the other side and... We say with the psalmist, it was good that I was afflicted. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. And the Lord teaching and instructing the way which we should go. And maybe it's a sin that has been brought to light. And then it is being confessed and forsaken and guarded against from that time forth. We didn't realise it was sapping our strength that it was grieving the Lord, that it was an offence unto him. But the Lord dealt with that. And we were bettered by the cross, proving the faithfulness of the Lord through these trials and through these things that we are brought through. Don't think that the proving is only going to prove and, and achieve its end when out the other side comes a perfect person, an angel. The children of Israel didn't react like that, did they? Many times they fell. Many times it brought out their sin. But many times the Lord chastened them, corrected them, established and strengthened them further in his laws and in his ways. And really one thing that kept coming out, what a difference there was between the law of the Lord and the laws of the lands round about. They were a peculiar people. They were a special people. They were a redeemed people. How easy we can get offended. The world says, what strange people they are. Haman says that they have laws and it's not good that they should live. But we are reminded that indeed the Lord does give his 
Dear people, write laws, good judgments, write teaching. All thy children shall be taught of the Lord. And that we are not to be offended or to think, well, we'd rather be at peace with the world round about us. You know, the children of Israel, when they first wanted a king, why was it we want to be like the nations that were round about? The Lord overruled it for good, and they had godly kings from David on, in Judah at least. But we have this desire to be like the world, but then the Lord proves and tests and brings his people back again so that they seek out his word and follow his word. My sheep, they hear what voice? Not the world, not the devil. My voice, they follow me. The very first temptation, the way that sin entered into the world, was through the testing, the really proving over the commandment of meat, what they should eat, what they should not. They listen to the devil instead of the Lord. We have in Deuteronomy, the children of Israel were proved even by those amongst them that would rise up and try and, and work miracles, and the miracles came to pass, the things came to pass. And the Lord says again in that, that he gave it to prove Israel whether they would obey the law of the Lord or not. On one hand, there's a miracle. On the other hand, there's the law of the Lord. What are you going to believe? Oh, we'll go for the miracles. That's what man does. But where the true faith is, it holds to the word of the Lord. In our churches, one might say, I have a word from the Lord. The Lord has told me this and told me that. And look, this has come to pass and that's come to pass. But where it is contrary to the holy word of God, it is false and is not to be followed. That test has often been among us, solemnly sadly failed by many. But this is what the Lord uses to prove his people. Do we hold to the word of God or not? Do we hold to his way or not? Are we his people or are we not? So may we look upon those things, maybe bitter cups, things that we would not, adversaries that we would not, and look upon them as used in the Lord's hand to prove us, to test us, to try us, and that it be for these benefits and blessings that the Lord has ordained to give his dear people for their comfort and to prove before they get to a dying bed, before they get before the judgment throne, that the Lord knows them and they know him and he's dealt with them all their life through for their sins, for their iniquities, chastened them, kept them, they've been tempted, they've been tried, they've fallen, but they've been restored again and the Lord has not forsaken them. May we prove it so and have that sweet assurance that the Lord is our God. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.